at 106 on this snowy, cold Monday. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program, you know what would be great, is right now. Now, Patriots, Monday Night Football tonight. This is a uh, must-win game. Boy, that was a brutal loss for Brady yesterday, wasn't it? Wow. Even Fox pulled away from Tom Brady. They were hyping, and it was the homecoming. Only his second time playing in the barrier where he grew up. He, uh, at one point, looked to maybe try to go back with San Francisco. And instead... Uh, you know, and they were saying on the Fox broadcast, and Brady got 100 tickets for today's game, friends and family. And it was a complete disaster against a rookie who was the last person drafted. But anyhow, right now, if you'd like to warm up on this Monday, why not swing into the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln? You can have a nice meal. They're waiting for you. And the game will be on Monday Night Football tonight. This is a big game. Uh, Patriots need to win this game. They, I think they should, in fact, win this game. They should win this game. But the um, Patriots in action tonight, you can watch the game at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. I want to uh, get you up to speed on all the news of the day. Let's see. Uh, Governor McKee was out and uh, he was being asked about the homeless encampment this morning at another press briefing. I want to hear this. There's been arguments about a First Amendment violation to remove people from public property in this encampment. What is what is the legal position going to be before a judge? You know, we don't do legal. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do legal, but I can tell you what my focus is. Our staff is trying to find housing for people who are homeless that are in front of the state house. And the people who are supporting the court action is trying to keep those people, the people who are homeless, homeless, right? So I think that we need to make sure that our focus is on the individuals that are there. The First Amendment argument, I'm a, I kind of, a, I enjoy the, uh, the discussion, uh, let that take a life of its own. But right now, the main thing that we should be talking about is making sure that the people who are outside, and in particular outside the state house, um, that we know they're there. Um, uh, have the ability to, to be in warm spaces uh, and not be uh, have their uh, health Now that is um, pretty interesting that Governor McKee is saying the people who are supporting them are trying to keep them there. They're trying to keep them homeless. So that was Brian Amaral. He was, he is, excuse me, a reporter for the Boston Globe. Now, so I, I, um, I think that that's a, a pretty tough tone that the McKee people are taking. I, as Justin Katz and I described in the, the first hour, folks, I don't, if you were going to pick a place to be homeless, the Rhode Island State House is not one of the places that, that you would do it, right? In fact, it's especially where they are on the steps, that's, that's really the last place that you would want to. Um, <laughs> the fact the guy isn't locked up is just ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's welcome to Rhode Island. With the remember in Rhode Island, they want to get rid of the, they want to get rid of the cash bail. As much as the the moderate Dems held firm in the elections, right, Governor McKee and and his ilk, but the progressives. They intimidate the regular. They intimidate the um, the regular Democrat. I think is is what I wanted to make mention of. Now let me see if um. Let's see. So Governor McKee uh, spoke this morning. <laughs> he claims those. I just want to read the claims. Those opposed state house evictions want to keep people homeless. Let me uh, see. This is Uncle Atheist is questioning him. Yeah, so um, we're, we're continuing working with them all through the weekend. All the in- people are there and offering them places that they can go to. Um, some of them have taken up on it. They got the report last night. There was 18 people there. 18. Uh, and we'll continue to work with them to, because this is, this is a dangerous weather. And we have places that we can bring them. Uh, certainly into warming centers. And we're very concerned about 
Because that's uh, there was a lot there. That let me hear this. This is Governor McKee this morning. Oh, hold on, hold on, everybody. Here we go. We're continuing working with them all through the weekend. All the people are there and offering them places that they can go to. Um, some of them have taken up on it. They got the report last night. There was 18 people there, uh, and we'll continue to work with them because this is this is a dangerous weather, and we have places that we can bring them. Uh, certainly into warming centers, and we're very concerned about, at least I am very concerned about the, the weather conditions and and um, and the potential uh, issues that they would be dealing with there. So we're there all weekend long. We continue to be there and provide options for them to um, be in a warm space uh, as opposed to Five different locations. I went to five locations, and none of them were active. 
Wow. Let us know where the 80 encampments are, and I think you're going to see the number continue to go down. And the work that has been done, the providers have been given the resources uh, in the summer, back in the summer, uh, and right now we're still short on, on about uh, close to 200, um, you know, uh, shelter beds uh, in terms of what has been um budgeted and and also you know actually given them a dollars to do it so we're going to keep on working to make sure that uh, there are more beds than than people who are out there but we got to get down to the number mm-hmm. right uh the reporting inaccurate numbers don't don't help us here well, wow from the actual advocates these are not inaccurate numbers these are numbers coming from the people right. we depart, depend on yeah. to give us these numbers yeah, i'm not, I'm not making these up i'm not going to debate you but last week you said it was 506 that's now, true a day later after i started to push on the numbers down yes. to 85 right I think that number's going to go down. Governor's not wrong, folks. Issue, and we're paying attention to it. Thanks, yep. Now listen to this. This is this is Governor McKee, folks, earlier this morning. This is with the reporter from the Boston Globe. What is the legal position going to be for well, You know, we don't do legal. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm not going to do legal, but I can tell you what my focus is. Our staff is trying to find housing for people who are homeless that are in front of the state house. And the people who are supporting the court action is trying to keep those people, the people who are homeless, homeless. Right? So I think that we need to make sure wow. that focus is on the individuals that are there. The First Amendment argument, I'm a, I kind of a, I enjoy the, uh, the discussion. Uh, let that take a life of its own. But right now, the main thing that we should be talking <laughs> about is making sure that the people who are outside, and in particular outside the state house, um, that we know they're there. Um, uh, have the ability to, to be in warm spaces uh, and not be uh, have their uh, health care. Why did the administration hire outside legal counsel? Well, folks, again, that was Governor McKee earlier. And good afternoon at one eighteen. I, you know, I had said that they don't feel the numbers are strong. Notice the number went from five hundred to suddenly. As I said, Governor McKee is not wrong on that. Suddenly, the number is below. Now, someone could say, well, that's still a lot because uh, it is. But it, it's how many people are really there now. I, I saw someone last hour when we did the noon report live. Someone put, that's right, there are 30 people there, families, kids. I, I was there Friday night. There was no one there Friday night. And then someone said, well, maybe, maybe they were in a local business getting warm. Well, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But I, I think um, the McKee people, and I also believe, by the way, I think they will be successful in court. Now, I want to get, I believe we're going to have an update on the situation with these murders in Idaho that still remains unsolved. I, um, not only unsolved, they don't even have a suspect. They don't even have a person of interest. It would sure... It sounds like um, it sounds like oh, let me just find there's Nicole Solace was on Newsmax and she's talking about the American Girl doll in uh Newsmax host said he couldn't find an American girl, girl that looked like his daughter. My daughter's just a cute little six-year-old. We couldn't find anyone who looked like her. <laughs> That's Rob Finnery of uh, Wake Up America. Let me hear this. Here we go. So you want people to stop buying American girls and all the all the stuff, the accessories that you can buy as well. I, I, how long has this been going on with American girls? I, I took my six-year-old to the store in Rockefeller Center, like the American mm. girl experience. And, you know, typically... Girls that are into American girls, they, they get a doll that looks like them, and you can get an outfit that you know, so you can match your, your doll. Um, we were in there, and my daughter's just a cute little six-year-old white girl. We couldn't find any anybody that looked like my daughter. It was the whole place that was like wokeified. It was actually it was kind of a bizarre experience. How long has this been going on with American Girl? Um, you know, I think it was I think it was in the early 2000s that it's they sort cool. of changed their brand to to girl empowerment, which which you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but yeah. but it's politicized. You know, this girl empowerment idea. So um, I, I think that this particular step with this book 
is is a new leap that they've they've taken because it is so insane to be telling little girls to change their bodies because that that is not body empowerment or girl empowerment that's that's self-loathing that that's exactly don't want little girls yeah so there's our friend nicole this morning on newsmax with wake up america rob finnery could not find anyone that looked like his daughter so i think that's interesting um yeah, Nicole was on. Uh, I saw her promote. I wonder if Elon Musk is going to. This guy is such a clown, that Benny Johnson. He's sent by God. Are we all sent by God? Right? Woke. <laughs> I remember the American, uh, the whole American girl doll thing. Here's, uh, oh, let me play this. COVID. Candace Owen is suggesting Celine Dion, her problem is caused by the COVID vaccine. Now, there's no evidence to suggest this. Her autoimmune disorders most likely receive the vaccine. It is what happens when you get vaccines. Autoimmune disorders are very closely related to vaccines. You know how passionately I speak out against vaccines. I do not vaccinate my children for one of many reasons, this being one of them. And I saw live what happened to a girl that was working for me, working for my children. She got the COVID vaccine and then she developed, her and her father both developed an autoimmune disorder, a rare autoimmune disorder, and she fell apart in the weeks that followed. She was sick, she couldn't get out of bed. She was calling out of work saying that they don't know what's wrong with her. She was going in and out for for tests. She only got one vaccine, by the way. She only got the first shot and both her and her father both developed autoimmune disorders. And it's because when you are... It's all. She just makes things up. I'm not a... I can't stand her. I think she's the biggest fraud. Candace Owens. Hey, listen. Why don't you go back and get your degree at URI? All right. Let me find... um, Folks, good afternoon at 123. And I know some people don't like when I um, knock some of those individuals. But I just want to find the latest on Idaho now. Digital exclusive father of Idaho massacre victims call police cowards as the killer roams free. Well, they're they're trying to they're trying to find out exactly what happened here. So I, I wouldn't say they're cowards. They it's very possible that they somebody may have botched some of the investigation, but I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call them cowards it sure sounds as if you know that whole business of saying they were targeted they may not have been the the ones in the house this was oh on the lawrence jones show on fox over the weekend all right, I want to hear this. Father and three roommates were murdered in Idaho. Father Stephen Gonzalez is now making some potentially bombshell revelations. He tells Fox that although the coroner says all four victims were stabbed, he doesn't think that his daughter Kaylee and her best friend died in the same way. He also says he believes both of them were targeted. Police have not named a suspect, announced any motive for the killings, or found any murder weapon. Joining us now is Phil Holloway, criminal defense attorney and former assistant district attorney. He's also a former police officer, so clearly he knows a lot about this and is uh, well qualified to speak to all of this. Phil, um, Steve Gonsalves, let's take this a piece at a time, first of all says he thinks that Kaylee and Madison Mogan were targeted because the killer entered the house through a second floor sliding glass door and then proceeded to go upstairs where his daughter and her friend were sleeping. What do you think? Well, good afternoon, John. Of course, this is heartbreaking. And look, there is no grief like the grief of a parent who has lost a child, certainly who's lost a child in this horrible fashion. And it's it's natural for victim families to get very frustrated. Those of us in the media, we're all frustrated because the police are just not releasing a lot. But we have to consider that this young woman's father 
uh, doesn't have really the, the picture of everything that the police have. Right. They have to keep a lot of their information very close to the vest. They have to protect the integrity of their investigation. And right. that means they cannot release information like uh, what somebody's alibi might have been or what exactly they might have found inside the house. Because if you fast forward to next week or next month or next year when they have a suspect and they're interrogating that suspect, and if the person divulges information that has not been discussed here on television or out in the media, then they know that they're on the right track and they have the right person potentially in custody. So they've got to play this close to the vest. Steve Gonsalves acknowledged that the police weren't telling him a whole lot, but I guess he had maybe a combination of what he knew and a gut feeling as well, where he said that the deaths of his daughter and Madison Mogan did not match. He didn't elaborate, but here's what he said. Listen here. Their points of damage don't match. I'm just going to say it. it wasn't leaked to me. I earned that. I paid for that funeral. Sent my daughter to college to get an education. She came back in the box, and I can speak on that. Yeah, I sent my daughter to college to pay for an education. She came back in a box. Clearly, he is hurting, and his wife is hurting. The entire family is hurting. The families of the other three victims are hurting as well, and they are all frustrated. But but what he said there, their points of damage don't match. It's It sounds like he may have some information about the nature of the wounds. He might, he might, he might have knowledge from, uh, you know, what a mortician or somebody might have told him or even showed him. But we have to consider that when you have four people that were involved in, you know, a vicious knife attack like this and that died, uh, we wouldn't expect all of their injuries to be the same. So what he said, while it's very interesting, we have to know the rest of the context to figure out what exactly it might mean. It might not mean anything because when you have four people that receive stab wounds they're going to have different injuries look at it like this if a killer comes in that side door and starts attacking one person and maybe that first person doesn't fight back but it awakens the second person and the second person does fight back you're going to have very different injuries so the fact that the points of damage to use his words don't match up it's certainly interesting and it's heartbreaking uh, as a parent to just think about how he must come across that information but i don't think that really tells us much about uh, what the police might know here, John. Yeah, yeah, I still can't wrap my head, Phil, around the idea that you can kill four people with a knife yeah. in a house in such a brutal fashion and two other people who are in the house at the time don't somehow get alerted to it. Um, as, a, as an investigator, as a former prosecutor, are you surprised that the police have not identified a suspect yet? Well, I don't know that they haven't. Maybe they have. This was a complex crime scene, and they've got a lot of information. And Look, somebody was in that house from like 3 a.m. to possibly like 11 or 12 a.m. or 12 noon. So that's a long time for a person to uh, leave information at the crime scene. And by that, I mean leave evidence. There's going to be palm prints. There's going to be footprints. These bloody crime scenes are, are just full of forensic information, and it takes time. It takes lots of eyes to take a look at this stuff to send it to crime lab to get it analyzed and to get it back to investigators so they can finish their work they're going to solve this case john oh let's 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 hope you're correct on that point phil holloway good to talk to you thanks for your expertise Appreciate you know but uh, john roberts was exactly right folks and again good afternoon at 129 they they have not identified anyone as of yet as as a suspect in this case so no one has uh has been identified person of interest it it, I mean, unless something changes now, I, I believe the FBI, the feds are involved. And now they're like kind of going backwards a little bit and starting at ground zero and going through this case now. But he was not wrong in saying right now that they really don't have anyone. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show, no, it's one thirty. It's Monday on this. It's sunny out. Uh, there's some melting going on. The temperature over the next... Three hours is going to be the warmest. So if you were going to do any shoveling, I advise you to do it over the next couple of hours. Get rid of some of that snow out of there. And make sure you have enough oil. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company. They'll keep you warm this winter. Trusted oil delivery. Do you need an Oil Company, try Matthews Oil Company, premier dealer in Rhode Island, highest quality heating fuels, 
It's Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour service, four generations, service and maintenance, Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. You want to make sure, maybe right now, you would like to switch oil companies or, you know, perhaps you've been a little behind the eight ball. They also have different payment plans, various payment plans that are very affordable. Maybe someone's listening right now saying, you know, I, boy, I can't afford to fill up my tank, but we certainly, you know, need the tank filled up and it's cold outside and, and so forth. So call Matthews Oil Company today, folks, 401-942-7500, 401-942-7500, Matthews Oil Company. Now. COVID has not gone away. How much so? How about in New York and L.A.? I don't know if you've heard about this. They're going back to masks. They're going back to masks in New York City. Nothing to worry about in our part of the world just yet. But let's listen to this. The GMA, New York City and Los Angeles going back to indoor face coverings is apparently the flu is really out there. Virus is spiked nationwide. According to the CDC, 43 states are reporting higher, very high levels of flu-like illnesses. Trevor Holtz at a hospital here in New York with the details. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning, George. We once again have health officials urging people to wear their masks indoors. That's the case here in New York City and in several other prominent locations in California and in Arizona. Not mask mandates, but masks highly recommended. And the reason is because the continuous growing threat of this quote-unquote triple-demic with COVID, the flu, and RSV all at once. COVID cases had been flat for a relatively long time, but this past week, the number of infections and the number of deaths both climbed 50%. And as for the flu now, we've surpassed likely 10 million flu-like illnesses. And as we heard from George there, most, if not all states, are approaching high or very high levels of transmission now. So health officials are saying as we get into the holidays, we're all about to gather. There could be no end in sight for this surge. And they are really recommending that these masks indoors could help slow the transmission. They are particularly recommended if you are at very high risk of illness. And as we're all all about to travel to for the holidays, the CDC is still recommending, guys, that you wear your mask while you're on public transportation, airplanes, buses, trains. Cecilia? Not a mandate, but a big recommendation there. Okay, Trevor, thanks. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are sick. There, There's definitely a lot of people that are sick. I I don't have, if someone's wearing a mask, I, I it's invisible to me. They can wear it, whatever. There are some people that should wear it. Um, if there's someone that has a cold or a cough, they should wear a mask. I I'm I'm just not as anti-mask as some individuals seem to be. Folks, right now it's 133. And I want to encourage you, if you want to make the most out of your outdoor space on your property, call Limitless Outdoors and get a free quote. I want you to listen to the name. Limitless Outdoors. Because what you can do. And they can do with you, for you, outside is limitless. They like to say, Dr- dream, build, enjoy. Limitless Outdoors, 401-580-1852. For example, they specialize in patios. They specialize in outdoor kitchens. More people have fire pits. More people have outdoor fireplaces. Landscape lighting, walkways, steps, retaining walls, lawn installation, excavation, limitless outdoors. Now, they also offer indoor stone services. They can update your indoor fireplace or kitchen. But let's talk about outside. Maybe you say, you know what? And I saw some people posting on Facebook. They have a full outside unit where they have a fire pit. And they have a little bit seemingly of a enclosure and they have an outdoor kitchen. And last night I even saw one person on Facebook that they're, they're watching the, you know, they're watching the, the football game. They have the snow coming down. They're a little, you know, they're protected. They, they're warm enough. They have the fire pit. They're eating. I mean, fully, folks, never mind most 
times of the year, you could really enjoy this. But give them a call. Get a free quote, Limitless Outdoors. They're based in Smithfield, 401 401- 580-1852-401-580-1852 for Limitless Outdoors. So some of the news, Governor McKee, his actions, uh, his reaction, I should say, seemingly caught some of the homeless advocates off guard. But the McKee people, they came out kind of. Uh, swinging a little bit today. The governor was at a, a press briefing and for, I think, wind energy. And the reporters, of course, were then asking him because Wednesday is the new deadline now. So this is Brian Amaral, the Boston Globe, asked about the state's legal position on the encampment. Now his communication guy says, well, we don't talk legal but the governor felt confident enough uh, going into this. What's your real argument going to be to, uh, there's been arguments about a First Amendment violation to remove people from public property in this encampment. What is, what is the legal position going to be before it just You know, we don't do legals. Before yeah, the court. yeah, I'm not going to do legal, but I can tell you what my focus is. Our staff is trying to find housing for people who are homeless that are in front of the state house. Listen to this. And the people who are supporting the court action is trying to keep those people, the people who are homeless, homeless, right? So I think that we need to make sure that our focus is on the individuals that are there. The First Amendment argument, I'm a, I kind of, a, I enjoy the, uh, the discussion. Uh, let that take a life of its own. But right now, the main thing that we should be talking about is making sure that the people who are outside, and in particular outside the state house, um, that we know they're there, um, uh, have the ability to, to be in warm spaces uh, and not be uh, have their uh, health be at risk. Boy, that is, um, it, it's kind of funny to me that his communication guy shuts it off saying we don't do legal, but the governor wanted to give this response about some of the advocates. I'm a, I, kind of a, I enjoy the, uh, the discussion, uh, let that take a life of its own, but right now, the main thing that we should be talking about is making sure that the people who are outside, and in particular outside the state house, um, that we know they're there. Um, uh, Hold on, let me go right back there. That are in front of the state house, and the people who are supporting the court action is trying to keep those people, the people who are homeless, homeless. Right? So, wow. Think- All right. I don't think he's wrong. A lot of people are using this, a lot of grandstanding going on. All right, let's go back to victim uh, Idaho. The search continues for the four students in Idaho stabbed to death. Here we go. This was the Today Show this morning. Unexplained killings of four college students in Moscow, Idaho, and police are still searching for answers. NBC Steve Patterson has an update on where that investigation stands today. Steve, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. The University of Idaho campus is largely deserted now that winter break is underway. The university had its winter commencement ceremony on Saturday, a poignant day, as one of the victims should have been walking it. Wow. It's been a tough few weeks for our community. A subdued and somber ceremony over the weekend. Pomp and circumstance mixed with grief at the University of Idaho's winter commencement. Ethan Chapin. Zana Kernodal, huh. Maddie Mogan, and Kaylee Gonsalves were taken from us far too soon by a senseless act of violence. Wow. The victims honored with a moment of silence. One of them, Kaylee Gonsalves, should have been crossing the stage to receive her diploma. And on what was supposed to be a joyful weekend, fears that a killer could be walking among them. The police issued a warning to the commencement crowd, urging the community to stay vigilant and travel in groups. We're going to have a lot of officers around. We're going to have a lot of Idaho State Police around. Um, You'll see us both at the commencement as well as just around town providing safety. Police are still searching for any suspects and murder weapon responsible for the murder of four students in their bedrooms almost a month ago. Officials have said they're looking for more information about a white Hyundai Elantra that they believe was near the house around the time the murders were committed. Moscow police saying the FBI is vetting the influx of tips related to the car. The campus quieter than ever as winter break begins. For those remaining in downtown Moscow, a struggle to regain some semblance of normalcy. How does the town heal from this? Um, time is, also, uh, is a big thing for sure. 
but also just like embracing the community of Moscow. For a community well, still waiting for justice. Whatever that means. Cold winter settling in. Well, Steve, now that the campus is emptied out, kids are going home for the holidays. How will that impact the investigation? Yeah, Hoda, officials say they are determined this case will not grow cold. There are almost 50 FBI agents working it, and local police insist they still have the same continue to flood in without any indication that momentum is slowing down. That is so odd. Good afternoon at 141. Four college students, all I hate to even say it, knife to death, all in the same house, and no suspect. It is, I mean, to me, it's like in, 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 in cold blood, but, but no clue in this day and age? No, there has to be, right? I mean, there has to be some kind of clue on this whole thing. They have no one. Now we also have this, the family of an American college student who's reportedly gone missing while studying abroad in France. Fear the worst one would be located. Missing in France for over two weeks. I don't know what to make of that story. Family of an American college student gone missing studying abroad. You're spending the fall, senior year. 90 minutes outside of a major city in France, staying with a host family. On November 27th, communicated with his family, been in communication with authorities. They've opened an investigation. He's a student at John Fisher University in Rochester. Set to end December 17th, his international studies. He wanted to visit a certain part of France for leaving the country. We fear the worst one to be located. The last photo of him entering a sports store in France wearing a red jacket, holding a black backpack. He was traveling by train from the residence, 60 miles from the university where he was studying. Cell phone was Pinged November 30th. Small purchase was made using a credit card December 3rd. Hmm. There's been no activity. Six feet tall. What does this say? CBS News attempted to contact him via the phone number. Change it disconnected. You know, I, I don't I don't know what to make of that. That's Concerning just as a parent of a child that did study abroad. White House officials are convening a planning session today to discuss the next step with Paul Whelan. Let's see if I can, uh, is there audio with this? Yeah, let me play this. Boy, there's a lot of attention on this case at least. Let me hear this. Um... Here we go. Spokesperson said that they have the offered nation. a meeting with the president's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, and they're working on scheduling it. Turning now to national security, we want to oh. welcome our panel of experts. Former National Security Council Russia Specialist, Fiona Hill. Oh, here we go. Chris Krebs, former cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency head and a CBS News analyst. They both worked together during the Trump administration. Good morning to you both. Why? Why? Um, Fiona, there's so much to get to, but I want to ask about this prisoner swap. Your former colleague, John Bolton, your former boss, right, on the National Security Council, um, told one of my colleagues at CBS that the possibility of a boot for Whalen trade existed back then, and it wasn't made for very good reasons having to deal with Victor Boot. Hmm. Do you recall a potential prisoner swap with Russia? Yes, I do recall that. That was raised many times by the Russians that they wanted Victor Boot. And at the time, there was also the um, drug smuggler uh, Yaroshenko, who was ultimately swapped uh, for Trevor Reed, the other um, former Marine. They were put on the table by the Russians, making it very clear that they had every intent of trying to swap Americans that had been wrongfully detained for individuals in United States custody who were there for pretty good reasons. But do you see 
something particularly um, dangerous about Victor Boot? I mean, why was that swap turned down then, but it, it happened just this past week? Well, look, at a particular um, time, um, I also have to say here that uh, President Trump wasn't especially interested in engaging in that swap uh, for uh, also Paul Whelan. He was not particularly interested in uh, Paul's case in the way that one would have thought he would be. Uh, Ambassador Bolton uh, met with um, Elizabeth Whelan, Paul's um, sister. I was uh, at that meeting as well. There was a lot of attention being paid to this and trying to find ways of uh, arranging um, Paul's uh, release by all uh, different parts of uh, the US government. But of course, there was a big debate about Victor Boot himself, I mean, as we see uh, now as well, the absurdity of the Russians asking for the release of uh, a notorious arms dealer, as well as somebody who'd been convicted of large-scale narcotics uh, smuggling in return for American citizens who had been um, either set up, in the case of uh, Paul Whelan, and uh, later uh, imprisoned, in the case of Trevor Reed and Brittany Griner, uh, for uh, very minor infractions. Uh, that would have been handled differently in different cases. It was clear that the uh, Russians were looking mm -hmm. uh, to kind of set the United States up as well uh, for just the kind of things that we're seeing now in terms of the roiling of our uh, domestic politics, as uh, Chairman Schiff talked about later. Right. I mean, this is all part of a political game uh, for uh, the Russian government. And that's what you have been talking about, Chris, that the, the spin around this, that hound this, that has really electrified the political body in this country. Why? Well, Putin's very much tap, uh, tapped into the culture wars here. He understands uh, the various levers and divisions that exist in American society. And, you know, given the fact that Russia does not have a whole lot going on, you know, their military clearly is underperforming on the field in Ukraine. Economically, they are uh, a bit of a, you know, has been. This is one of the few areas that Putin still has influence and ability to shape the global narratives. And so this is one of those, those things where I think Americans traveling in as broad as soon as you leave the United States, you have to be very mindful right. of how you may fit into these uh, these information battles back and forth. But it has become um, an attack point from Republicans, including the House Republican leader, that this swap took place um, for a Marine veteran left behind. But Fiona, you're making the point that that Marine veteran was left behind. He was captured during the Trump administration. Um, so you're arguing this is just disingenuous outcry, essentially. Look, what we have to bear in mind, as in the previous segment um, brought to the fore, is we have a lot of American citizens yeah. who are being taken by other countries for political purposes. President Biden called it national emergency. That's absolutely right. And as Chris is saying, every single American citizen who travels abroad... Um, even, look, in um, allies and uh, partner countries, if you get into you know, trouble, there's only so much that the United States can, government can do for you. And when it is a state like Russia or Iran or China or North Korea, I mean, some of them are more obvious than others, you are putting yourself at a certain degree of risk, even if you think you are just uh, basically going either for tourist purposes or to visit family or for something routine. Remember, Trevor Reed uh, was going to visit his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Paul Whelan was going to a wedding. And Britain Griner was doing something that many other athletes do around the world, including Russian athletes here in the United States. If we think of Ovechkin, for example, uh, you know, hockey playing player. one of the, you know, the, the greatest hockey players here in the United States, uh, playing uh, in, uh, for a Washington-based uh, team. They were doing something that seemed routine, seemed completely ordinary, but found themselves snarled up in uh, basically political games. And we have to be mindful of the fact that uh, when governments do this, they're doing it for trading purposes. But they're also doing it to mess about in our politics, and we are falling every single time for this. The more that we fight with each other, the more that we play into their hands, and we also risk other Americans being taken, because it's a way of influencing our domestic politics. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you connect all those dots there. Um, I know, Chris, you... Well, you have been watching just the conversation we have with ourselves on social media and how inflamed it is. Um, when it comes to some of these more extreme groups, it's almost sometimes... It sounds so absurd, and yet there are national security risks, as we saw in Germany this week, with this extraordinary arrest and attempted coup in Germany by people linked to QAnon. I mean, it, it doesn't sound real, but it is. Well, the QAnon piece, I think it's a it's a reminder or confirmation that QAnon is a global phenomenon Apparently. that is, is catching on. And, and actually, I think in part what we're seeing now is that it's broadening and it's almost becoming mainstream. Uh, we had this attempted coup 
in Germany. We have January 6th and the efforts to overturn the January 2020 uh, or the, the 2020 election that was queue adjacent as well. Um, the, these things are, are catching on and they're informing much more radical behaviors both at a national level and as a local level. And I think in part, some of the things that we're seeing uh, with the attacks on the electrical grid, for instance, are, it may not be Q, but they are extremists. They are online. They're white supremacist groups that are you know, pulling down and developing playbooks. And so there are national level efforts, but there are also local level efforts. And, and a lot of this is just due to the broader information ecosystem and how virulent uh, these conspiracy theories and efforts to, uh, you know, overcome normal civil society. The Homeland Security Secretary said that it did appear in North Carolina that attack was deliberate, but it's early. Are you saying you believe there is evidence that it is tied to organized domestic extremists? So that, I think, is, is still a, a large question mark and the investigators are taking a look at. But the attack itself on that facility, that substation in Moore County, was unquestionably deliberate. The, the tactics they, that the attackers used, multiple, you know, two different substations, and going in and targeting very specific critical equipment in that site, it, there's no question that it was premeditated, that it was coordinated, it was deliberate. Combine that with the fact that there were half a dozen uh, similar sorts of events in the Pacific Northwest. There have been events in, in throughout the Southeast. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it says to me that, that there is something broader going on here, and perhaps we are paying more attention now, um, but, but there is a, a significant threat to, the, to our nation's critical infrastructure, and right now, both the utility operators as well as law enforcement, I think, are doing a hard look at what needs to change and how do we counter this threat. Fiona, when you were with us in October um, 2021, you said something that stuck in my brain ever since, where you uh, talked about the election cycles of 2022 and 2024 being potential vehicles for potential violence. And you called January 6th a dress rehearsal. Oh. Are you as concerned now no. as you were then no. about the stability of the country? No. I'm, let's just say, a bit no. more cautiously optimistic uh, than I, I was back yeah. then. I mean, I think all alarms so, and red they, lights uh, were flashing on every mesh in with a mob. And we've actually seen much more careful handling on every front of um, uh, yeah. recent elections, including the midterms, people being uh, more circumspect uh, uh, about what's happening. Of course, we've got the uh, committee, we just had uh, Chairman uh, Schiff uh, on the program and the work that they're doing, yeah, which is, I think, played right. a, I, a I'm less interested in this. I like Face the Nation, though. Folks, good afternoon right now at 1.53. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 .9 FM. You know, I thought one of the more interesting parts of that discussion was when you're traveling overseas, you have to remember, because you're an American, you could become a target. And now, granted, I spent last March in Eastern Europe, primarily in Poland, but then did venture into Ukraine. And that was one of the things they, they warn you about the most. But where it was more of an issue for me was in two, 2002, I visited Israel. And on that particular trip... Uh, my friend Mike Keough, he recommended it, and I, we did get, they call it K&R insurance, kidnapping and ransom. It's not expensive, but we actually got K&R on myself, because I was there for two and a half weeks, uh, 15 days, 15 days, I believe. Um, and that was right during the time that Danny Pearl, the reporter for the Wall Street Journal, had been kidnapped and then beheaded while we're over there. But... So I know exactly, very familiar with what they're talking about. I had, um, so we, I did get K&R insurance. It's kind of unnerving a little bit when you see that, but they stress. And on that particular, they stress that you are a target. You may not think you're a target, but if you're an American, you could be currency to a certain type of group. And some of those radical extremist groups Again, it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are, just the fact that you're an American. And it could be an exchange student, it could be a member of the media, it could be someone just a tourist who's traveling. Um it, it doesn't matter. It can be kind of ransom. 
So I took out what they call that uh, K&R insurance that if, in fact, you're kidnapped, if that does happen, that they, the insurance, they will pay up to $10 million to have you returned. It wasn't, I don't recall anything about, well, that's a government call whether it be swapped. This is strictly f- for, for money. But when they kidnapped Annie Pearl, the Wall Street Journal reporter, he was working for the Wall Street Journal. They, I remember that story very well. There's been a lot written about it. And then his widow, Marion Pearl, might have been a film. But he was uh, beheaded in Karachi, Pakistan. And I, I remember that vividly. He was working on a story. There had been different sources he was following up with. And then one of them, I think, was someone new. And it was a relatively new source that he didn't know that well. And then suddenly they, they, they grabbed him. But if you remember, there's a great film if you haven't seen it. Folks, at 156, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. The name of the film is The Kingdom. And it's, uh, it's terrific. If you haven't seen it, you know, you can get it on, on YouTube or online now. It's great. You can rent anything. You don't need to. I know these people, I think, still go to the get the red box. But YouTube, vir- virtually almost any film you can now rent or own. But I just rent them on YouTube. But if you've never seen it, Jamie Foxx is in it. And it's um, The Kingdom. And they it's very dramatic at the end of the film if you've seen it. They're in Saudi Arabia. And they're trying to solve what happened, who, who it was that blew up. It was a bunch of American contractors working over there. And um, it's, it's, I think it's kind of an underrated film. But, but at the very end, they're, they're trying to do a film where they're filming where they're going to behead one of them. And the one they're going to behead, who has had a very successful career, and um, he's been in a number of different things, but it's Jason Bateman is in the film. So he's been in Ozark. He's been in Arrested Development. He's very good as Marty Bird in uh, Arrested Development. And then his sister was on that show uh, Family Ties I believe with um, remember the character Alex Keaton but anyhow not to get off on a ramble but there, there's definitely truth to that there's something also odd about they, they have been communicating with this Paul Whelan and I think he released a video he may have been under duress I don't know what to me I know President Trump is now saying he wouldn't have done the swap I, I don't think I don't think there should be any discussion of what we were going to do or not going to do. I don't think there's a reason to put that out in the public. I also think you have to be realistic. If, if there are people, if you're listening right now at 158 and you're listening to the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM, if either you believe there's a CIA or you don't believe there's a CIA, do we have people that are undercover overseas. I, I believe I know we do. Maybe you don't believe that, but we do. If that's the case, then there are going to be occasions, think, thankfully not that often, but that one of them does in fact get picked up. So not all of the charges of someone spying could be false. Um, now, we don't know in this particular case, but just some people seem to wipe that off the table. There's no such thing as the CIA. Well, there is. But now, folks, the big news of the day is Governor McKee kind of came out against the homeless advocates saying they're the ones that actually want to keep some of these people up at the state house, And I, I think he's on with that and just what the number is. So it's Monday. It's John DePietro. The Patriots are on Monday Night Football. I will be doing Facebook Live later. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. A lot of melting over the next three hours. And then it's going to get icy again. So let's remember how to drive out there. Enjoy this sunny Monday. We're back tomorrow at 11. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news.